0: The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com.
1: From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Couture, Bart Hanson, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys
0: have to say this week.
2: Oh, well, see, that's just perfect, Sam. Uh, thank uh, you so much for that pour. Hey, everybody, welcome not certified. to The winemaker, I'm not
3: certified, but I, I do pour wine for you, a living. You, <laughs> you did a great what pour. But are you gonna that? Was, that was impressive.
4: Uh, that was master level. Uh,
2: so, anyway, I'm John Myers, sitting with my friends, Sam Kenturi, Bart Hansen <laughs> and Todd Jolly, and... Our guest today, Ian Cobble. Ian, you are master sommelier, one of what 158 in no, the United States. No, I think States, there's something like there's that? a lot
4: now. There's a lot of 275 in the world.
2: An outdated figure. Sorry about but, that.
4: Uh, just, but you know what? But how many were there when you? I was technically number 197, well, and I was go. I was very happy to 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 be any number. And, <laughs> and it's been how many years? I passed in 2012, and. Uh, Shortly thereafter, started the gig as the national ambassador for Krug Champagne. And then after that, started my own business, Somme Select, which is my day gig.
2: Oh, I get those all the time. After you and as- I didn't a- connect. Assembled so enough of a cellar
3: of Krug Champagne. To get the- like I got enough of that now for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have a bottle of Krug a day, which yeah. is what you need. And then,
4: and then you can start your, you know, gig. Krug champagne <laughs> out of France to clarify, not Charles Krug out of yes, Napa. Yes. So some go. people, some people called me from a party at Charles Krug. They're like, Ian, why aren't you here? I'm like, listen, a, yeah, I'm actually in France now, so I can't be there.
2: So Ian, do, how often do people say, Oh, are you the Smiley from the movie Somme? Uh, because you are one of,
4: them. yeah, it happens, uh, all over the world. Actually, I've, I've been stopped in the streets of Tijuana and Vienna and, uh, customs in Vietnam (laughs) all over the place like literally uh people want to talk and chat and and uh yeah we catch up and it's always interesting that people are inspired by the movie some people have told me they've changed careers and uh you know went from being a high-paid lawyer to a low-paid you know wine guy at at a wine store because that uh that movie really got them excited about wine and wanted them to they wanted to be in get into the wine business and Kind of be happy in life, and so, sometimes their current job isn't giving them that.
0: So, so I, I, I'd like you to lay out a little bit what is a sommelier. I, I, I didn't get all the way through Psalm three, but um, oh no, just because I didn't have time. Um, uh, but there's a comment for in the, the record; beginning it's been out that. since. I, I mean, I I watched it for the first time last night, <laughs> but it has been out
3: since November. No, no, okay. I know. I, I understand. Psalm three. Psalm three. Yeah.
0: but there's a there's a line in the beginning. Somebody says something about when when the term sommelier has been defined, it still won't be enough. Well, um, so on that note, historically, what is a
4: Historically, a sommelier came from somebody who was overseeing goods from point A to point B. This is before restaurants existed. And then it came to a point where restaurants were there. And then there was the wine person who oversaw the wine program. And the term sommelier was, was kind of coined, you know, it's basically somebody who works in a restaurant overseeing wine service. Um, over, the, over, over time, you know, people who are certified sommeliers, advanced sommeliers, right, they leave the business. Are you technically not a sommelier anymore? I don't know. Um, I still consider myself a sommelier because I still work events and do things like that. But um, do I really, you know, technically a person who is a sommelier, if you, if you tell somebody you work as a sommelier, you're somebody who works the floor in a restaurant, right? But I still do consider myself a sommelier, even though it's been since 2012. Since I actually worked in a restaurant, technically, so
0: there's some gray area there, and and uh, it's a first-world problem. (laughs) It certainly is. No, I mean I think that's great. I think that's great because, like anything, um, things change. uh, Go ahead.
3: I want. uh, We have Todd Jolly here too, who just uh, passed his certified sommelier exam, and I want to hear from like you know sort of opposite ends of this. Ladder spectrum that they're you know journey that they're on the Todd's at the beginning of it Ian is you know into this this territory Um, What is what do you as you're pursuing it because you don't work in a restaurant
1: No, um, I think you know touching bottles all day long and talking about wine kind of clarifies that a little bit but um, I'm an Eagle Scout as well (laughs) <laughs> and I earned my Eagle Scout at one point in my life, but I don't do very much scouting anymore. You know what? Yeah. Of course you are. That, that explains so, a right. lot. And so I think that you know, if you put in the time and the effort, and you pass things, and you stay current, um, your skills are still there. But you might not be like walking on the floor. You can a still
3: tie knots and open wine bottles. Yes, absolutely. Right, okay.
4: <laughs> and the way I look at it, it's it's like okay, tomorrow if
1: there was an open job at a three-star
4: Michelin restaurant, and I decided I wanted to apply. I could go work You'd as have the a lead sommelier at a, good at, a, at a three-star Michelin restaurant tomorrow. Yeah, right, right. So does it mean that today I am I don't have the yeah. trade skills of a sommelier, but tomorrow I do? It's kind of like if you're a you know if you're a, a wood builder, but you're actually working in a hospital right now because that's right. a better-paying job. Doesn't mean that you're not right. still have that skill. So the way I look at it, I could I could pick up a job tomorrow as a sommelier, but today I'm not. I don't right. know. It's kind of an interesting way to look From at it. The, from
3: uh, the producer's standpoint, and uh, Bart, i hear your thoughts on this too. Um, for me, and certainly in the post-SOM movie wine world, the SOM in general. It's crazy to hear that said, post I mean, that's what it, it there's there was certainly a shift. And, you know, kind of right. in the same way that like Sideways supposedly killed Merlot. Merlot was probably in that. Phase anyway, like yeah. there was there was a shift from that movie that right. you know it's sideways all of a sudden everybody's selling and planting Pinot Noir. <laughs> Psalm, there's just so much more awareness of what that even is, yeah. um, and what it can mean um, from the producer standpoint. Now, the Psalm, the, the Psalms are um, the gatekeepers. The gate, exactly the word I was going to say. The gatekeepers between what we're doing and your your. Uh, the, a megaphone Or not even necessarily But sometimes it's more An advocate and uh, More personal, yeah It's yeah. an advocate for What the wineries are doing
4: You mean right. you don't just need Two points to tell you If it's good or not? Just well, no <laughs> Apparently you need Three points to tell you kidding. If it's I good know. or not um, You know, don't bring it up To my house If it's not If it's not yeah. a 85 or above I'm just kidding, no I was right. born in 83 So I'll never qualify yeah. um, It was funny like, One of the most expensive Wines in the world You know, it's a Gentas Darviu Corotis uh, got 85 points back when it was released. And it's one of the most sought after wines in the world. It just shows you like points. (laughs) They
0: probably dumped a bunch of it, which made it really rare (laughs) right after they got that score. (laughs) Well, you know, I think it's interesting how it's changed post Psalm where there are wineries that have a Psalm on staff and, um, you know, Todd, you're, you know, on your way and you're running a wine program. And, um, I think for the general public, um, it shows, it's it's recognition that this person is very skilled in this thing about wine that everybody's so intimidated with. And the psalm of old that we think of when our parents went out to dinner um, in fancy restaurants was one thing. But you guys are of our age, or in my case, you guys are younger, you're hipper, you're cooler, um, and you know how to they talk to people. haven't been to South By as many times as you have. Yeah, you're Bart, right, you're they have <laughs> um, Maybe not, I'm maybe getting, I, ready. Maybe I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready. So at any rate, you know it's um, it's it's so it's you're the gatekeeper. You're the ones that are going to help the new drinkers learn. Um, So that's my two bits. And from that standpoint, it's the best thing in the
3: world that there's more people than ever. Even you know, because I know people who have regular jobs and will continue to have their regular jobs who are taking the test and studying because it's a way to get into wine more. So from that standpoint, like the most ever people t- applying and taking the tests. It just means more people out there have somebody in their lives who knows about wine and can tell them w- why to buy
4: what. Yeah. And hopefully I'm, bring pleasure in their life. I mean, yeah. that's the end of the day. I, I just, just wish you this. guys,
0: I wish you guys would quit becoming winemakers though, because <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> apparently we don't need the competition. Yeah. <laughs>
4: I actually just started a label. I'm just kidding. No, No, that was a few years ago. We do... I I, I make a negociant brand called Method in Napa. So it's... it's, uh, Yeah, that's another subject. We won't talk about that. No, we can talk about
2: that. (laughs) Absolutely. On the other hand, you do have a story behind your wine. It's created by somebody who knows how... To taste wine, what it should be exactly in in uh, in virtually every class. I mean, from white sweet to that's, dries to reds, and across it. the world.
4: Yeah, it's supposed to be a great value, uh, selected right. from lots of Napa, and you know, thirty five dollar retail, and it's great. It goes head to head with wines twice its price. So, yeah.
2: isn't it strange how much money the wine world does command when you have a real story? Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it's stunning. You yeah. cross the line, the county line, and things. Are up by a third to double, just because you're across the county line from Sonoma, but you go to France and then you can you can buy beautiful magnums in in the Loire or in Avignon for all of fifteen dollars, and and then you can get a Latash for you know forty two hundred. dollars are sometimes is screaming eagle. You know, right?
4: sometimes a few hundred meters means the difference between a thirty five dollar bottle and a thirty five hundred dollar bottle look at Burgundy. So, right. You know, not to say that I agree. is strange, though, honestly? Yeah, well, when you taste the wine and it makes you cry and want to call your loved ones, then you kind of understand. <laughs> there the, you go. Not to, I not, understand not, that. Not to, not to say that I can afford those wines, but I definitely love people who love to share them with me. So actually, well, so
1: I have a... Sorry. Uh, David Lynch wrote that article uh, from when you guys are in Burgundy you're standing um, in Montrachet, right? Yeah. And the Grand Cru to your left and then Premier Cru to your right. There's a
4: Kyre, I mean, There's yeah. a small little road separating cayere and Montrachet. One of the vineyards is one hundred and twenty five a bottle, and the other one is minimum thousand dollars a bottle, depending from who you buy it from, so up to three or four thousand for the top producers so so i have a, I have a question about that
3: because um, I haven't been there, and I've had some chances but very limited to taste some of those great burgundies and you have those places um, is the terroir really changing so much drastically from across the road or are there cellar differences that start to create those those
4: there is uh, about a hundred variables that contribute you, uh, choose uh, your you know adventure. they dig right. pits and there's like very unique um, I would say geological differences there's clonal differences from each producer there's also different types of yeast that are used during fermentation that have different you know <laughs> fungi in the cellars that affect the, the wine's flavor different oak cooperages there's If they're filtering, if they're using pumps, what type of pump If they're using gravity, how they're bottling, you know, if they're filtering and finding what they're using to find. There's so many variables that uh, it starts to
3: get. Does that explain everything, Sam? Well, it doesn't, I mean, (laughs) the thing that that Ian said at the very beginning, which was, you know, yeah, from across the road, you dig a pit and the dirt changes. Yeah. And, and you know, they've been right. and yeah. as you go
0: up the hill it changes it changes again, again and again and again. I mean, this is
4: something that's been happening for eighteen hundred right. years in Burgundy. I think the Romans first planted right. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay to the best of my understanding of history. And over time you have people that were farming plots and they right. had Gamay here and Pinot Noir here and there was different grapes historically, right. but over time they learned that this plot is very special and it tastes great. So they would build a wall around it and there's a clo and then right, right next door. Is really good as well so let's actually separate that off and let's name that and then over the next 1500 plus years we are now where we are and we understand Burgundy you know and we drink it and it's expensive
0: (laughs) when (laughs) when we were there on our trip um, out the back of the winery there was about 12 rows Um, and then in the middle of the next plot there was five walnut trees And we asked about the walnut trees and they said, well, that gentleman who owns that, he has agreed to sell this to us, but not until after he passes away. And then we have to wait 10 years after he passes away before we can pull out the walnut trees and plant vines. And, you know, and and how are you with that? And he's like, oh, well, we're good with it. We're, you know, in it for the long run. We're in no hurry. So
3: (laughs) eighteen hundred years later. Right. Amazing. I I mean, that is, you know, as much as we've figured things out in california we have you know another 1700 and Many decades. 40 years <laughs> right. to go before you know we can um, make those walls and you know and really stand behind them as, as <laughs> these are the places that this rock is the perfect rock and you know, with the for perfect exposure variety.
4: for this variety and, you know
3: we haven't we haven't figured that out yet no way
4: well luckily technology and davis you know whether you know there's not to talk about there's some good and bad and the philosophy coming from there but um th- we're we're, f- we're pretty quickly finding out you know the potential of certain grapes in certain right. areas and there's people who are really specialists in, in specific soil types and what grapes grow in certain areas and the climate and studying through local weather stations the the potential of certain grape varieties g- growing in a certain place so i mean right. i was talking to paul Sloan, who's out in Sonoma, makes some great wines. And I was talking to him about what do we think of planting close to Western Humboldt, you know, like there's all these places in California that are so beautiful. And he was like, well, let's take a look at the local weather station. Let's look at the temperatures and this and this, and we can actually make a great hypothesis of if certain grapes could grow there. Um, and it Less turned trial out, and, error and it turned out that it's, too, it's, it's too wet. So there's too much fungal mm-hmm. pressure, but you know, just sitting in a computer, we kind of decided right. that honeydew yeah. <laughs> Northwest of Garberville is probably better for indoor cannabis than it is for outdoor Pinot Noir. Yeah. Right.
0: I mean, it's, you know, it is that thing we, <laughs> we, with technology now, we are learning so much quicker than the people before us. Um, the, um, the amount of data you can get. So our learning curve, should be, so maybe it'll be three or 400 years and we can put up those walls. I'm sure the monks would have used all the technology if they had it, you know? Sure, yeah. right. Or they did, and it was just different sort of technology. Slower, and is it the fact that these, technology.
2: all these places in France and Spain that we're talking about, Italy too, um, are just old, and therefore they didn't have the cost of a million dollars an acre planted that drive up the cost of the wine? Because there's some awesome wine coming out of Europe that retails here for $35 dollars. How?
4: Yeah, it's the inherited land. You don't have to pay for the land. The vineyard's already planted. And you're not spending a million an acre <laughs> like some places in Napa and 25,000 to plant it, et cetera, et cetera. If you're talking about hillsides, probably can double. So I think,
0: yeah, it's. You and, know, and, l- and you do have to remember in certain parts of the European Union, um, agriculture is subsidized a little bit and stuff, um, right? You know. Um, well, and the, you know, that the, helps you know get it to the United States and right. whatnot. And, and for
3: sure, you know the two gentlemen sitting to my right um, could dig into this deeper. But when you you know break down sort of the stratification of, of especially France with the you know the, the classifications in Bordeaux and Burgundy and, and kind of that whole cru um, system, I think some of those wines, John. Kind of have to be those prices that uh, they're coming out of at, you know, they're, they're the village level wines and the things that um, the system in France makes so that there is affordable wine. Wine for, for the people. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. I I really don't mind it. You know, I mean, it's always my first bottle, you know, and then then you choose what you really want for dinner. <laughs> I, I, I
3: know. John, we've been we got to work on that, though. We've been working on that for a long. You got to dr- drink the good bottle, the best bottle first. You got to drink the best bottle
0: first. How
2: am I going to talk my wife into that? She's always sitting down right, there. <laughs> so, that's you know. what the psalms are for, I think. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you open it before she gets home. Drink yeah. the good
4: wines when you're below a point one. How about that All as right. a general guideline? Drink the good wines <laughs> when you're po- Okay. I think All that right.
3: is I'll there. Mean, if there's a tagline for ten- this week's episode of the, of the winemakers podcast, I think that's what it should be. Drink well, the good I wines mean, when you're below yeah. a point one. I mean, one. <laughs> let's face it.
0: The worst thing is to go, yeah, let's go to the cellar when you're two or three bottles in.
2: Yeah. right? That's so much yeah. fun, though. Three <laughs> bottles
0: by yourself? I'm just kidding. It
2: depends on the size of the party. It
3: depends on the size of the party. Um, okay, so one of the thing before you know, there's, there's a bottle of wine that Ian has decanting sitting behind him, um, and we, you know we poured a little sixteen six hundred homage blanc, you know sort of breakfast wine. Um, but delicious. I, I think it might be time to blind taste with one of the certified. Sp- Master three, uh, two hundred. How many are in the that like the best wine tasters in the world? Okay, I,
4: I think there's roughly two hundred seventy-five right now. There's around five to ten that pass in the year every Paul,
0: year now. Paul, listening to a live podcast, here's the portion we've reached in I mean, you know from what? the audience. I mean, here's the deal.
1: Shows over the glass.
0: So already, I can feel my heart rate going up
4: right stress stress and there's and there's nothing on the line imagine if there was something on. that's
0: exactly right and and immediately i started to go into oh i hate doing this you know i mean i love it but i hate doing it i mean i thought i thought it was maybe just the like
3: extra equator coffee that i poured myself this morning um
4: For me, blind tasting from really- From Sonoma's Best. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: you get some <laughs> coffee at Sonoma's Best, yeah.
4: nice. Blind tasting, I think, should should be fun. It should allow you to really get in touch with your senses, what you like, what you don't like. And you don't need to prejudge a wine based on the label, how nice the label is. And I think it's great for consumers to do. We, we offer a, a blind tasting pack called the Blind Six at Som Select. It's three whites, three reds wrapped in black paper, classic wines from classic regions, not trying to fool with you. Um, a, a, a Grenache Blanc and Roussanne from Sonoma couldn't be in there because it's hard to discern that right. from that place versus if you have like a Nebbiola from Barolo or if you have you know an Albarina from Rias Baixas in Galicia in Spain or R- Old Rioja these are wines that are there could be nothing else if you understand what the flavors profiles are so we're Ed- finding a lot of people in in middle America, Texas, Florida, all these places they're just normal consumers that wanna learn how to blind taste because they're learning about new grape varieties. And you know, if, if somebody gives you a blind tasting of a Gruner Veltliner from Austria and you've never heard of the grape, <laughs> you're <laughs> obviously not gonna get it right. But hopefully you enjoy it and you open the label and you're inspired to try something new next time you go to a restaurant. You can ask the somebody if they have any Austrian whites available and you can cha- change your, your day-to-day routine and kind of you know like change the CD in your car that's been in there for 10 years. A lot of people just drink Napa Chardonnay, you know, Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir every day but there's so many different flavor profiles out there that can really s- just change your experience. So, but I mean, this
0: Isn't is this, uh, this is really cool because I, I did yeah. hear about this. So, and don't you send some information with them to kind of help them learn about doing blind tasting, right?
4: Yeah, we have a packet that comes with it and it talks about everything you need to know and talks about the structure, the acid, alcohol, how to detect yeah, it. I, I, um, I every, probably- wine, every wine, we go through the specific tasting notes, the, the sight, the nose, the smell, the structure which again is acid alcohol complexity tannin and length and based on these this imprint and the specific um you know qualities of a given wine you should be able to discern the region the subregion, the district the grape variety and the, and the vintage um but it's not easy but once you develop these skills um and somebody says hey this smells like coconut and sweet and sour and uh, artificial vanilla and all these things those are classic traits to rioja so every wine has classic traits just like certain people you know and
0: and i think that uh, it's a lot of fun even if you're wrong so okay so i have a thought here um for everybody so, so so in 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 if you if we were doing this with a group um todd would go through this wine start to top top to bottom and he would try to call it out at the end, going through all of his descriptors. And then we would all comment on whether we agreed with him or disagreed. Right. And, and then we would all try. I don't know if I and, signed up for blind tasting, and, I'm fine. And, right. and, so, and so if Todd wanted to do that, we'd let him do that. So I think the first
4: thing to look at is, you know let's look at the site. I mean, I would I would say that this has a very pale garnet core, quickly moving to orange and almost amber hues on the rim. Almost like that rock in Jurassic Park where they're taking the, you know, the, oh, the that mosquito. liquid out of the mosquito. Yeah, the you orange. know, that color that that tells us the wine has a lot of age, right? Not a lot, but significant amount of age. And there's been a lot of oxygen exposed to the wine. So um, typically when you have orange at the rim and the wine is somewhat younger, you're looking at a few different grape varieties, particularly Sangiovese from Tuscany. You have Nebbiola from Piedmont. You have tempranillo from rioja merlot from the right bank or blended with the left bank as well and as well as pinot noir coming from burgundy so uh i will tell you that we are kind of close to the quarterfinals here and uh, you only have one of five to pick from how about that (laughs) um
3: well it could be that i was smelling wine while you were talking um flavor notes but as you were going through the flavors of Rioja it's kind of where my mind was going um definitely you know with a a little bit of maybe like a two th- late 90s Rioja okay yeah.
1: I think it might be a little light in a what's the let's go what,
4: ahead and taste the um, wine what do you guys think let's talk about the the structure of the wine See why don't you guys go ahead and chew the wine for about ten seconds, like aggressively, get it around your gums and your teeth, and chew it for five seconds longer than you think you should. Are you getting any grip, any tannin? What's what's the feeling there?
2: Well, that brings out the tannin. hmm It's it's fairly light, but it does yeah. have a good backbone structure on it.
0: Tannins are pretty soft. It is pretty soft. It, um, it feels you know, like they wouldn't. They weren't long that long ago. No, soft though. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It feels like it's, like it. Yeah, when it was young, it, it was a soft kind of plush wine, mm-hmm. and it's lost some of its fruitiness and some of that richness. And now it, now its structure is showing, you know. So that to me would tell me it would be a wine that has good structure, regardless of how it tasted. Mm-hmm. When it so, was young. so
4: I have one more wine with me. This is a little bit of a difficult one. So I don't know if you guys want me just to go ahead and do you want to take a stab? Yeah, let's
1: hear. Let's hear. I was going to stab with like a early two thousands Nebbiolo. Um, that's that's my guess
4: hey do you know what that's that's the closest call so this is certified. Nebbiolo and I think that's a fantastic call because it does look older oh, oh, it yes. is a 2010 God. go
3: for it 2010,
4: 2010. certified Psalm showing up and yeah. crushing <laughs> it uh, <laughs> he's like wiping the sweat off of his face no. yes. uh, <laughs> he's like <laughs> I love that um, so uh, it is Massimo Clerico 2010 Lasona. So this is not a classic appellation that you'd see on the test. I was leaving my house this morning and just grabbed something I wanted to drink and share with you guys. And uh, this is a great producer that's located in Piedmont in the Al- Alta Piedmonte. So this is kind of the foothills of the Alps. And uh, you have this kind of chalky soil with marine sand. Um, really natural production there's no chemical sprayed in the vineyard which is always a good thing i think and um, <laughs> well, we're going the wine's, there, don't yes, worry. And, and the wine is aged in you know mostly neutral barrels for a long time and then bottled and aged so this is a uh, basically similar to like a Barbaresco, but this is about an hour and twenty minutes northeast of those famous villages. So, so is that way it gets a little, it's a little lighter, it's than a those? little bit lighter. So you get more Pinot Noir characteristics, and I think the older uh, Tempranillo call that you were talking about was actually I smelled it, and it totally makes sense. So, okay. um, feel good about yourself.
0: So, so <laughs> it, it's it, it's really interesting. I mean, this wine to me when it was first poured, it was like um, sparkling, uh, uh, you know, raspberry uh, champ. Pain. What is it from from Bois? Mm-hmm. Um, excuse my French. Um, and <laughs> then it's really turned into more of an earthiness, mm-hmm. and there is a salinity to it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, really, it's really also fun. somehow gotten brighter in the glass, though too. Right. Like
3: there's, yeah. it's not fruit brightness, but there's some this like m- sort of mid palate brightness that's really interesting.
4: Yeah, a lot of freshness. You're getting, you know, obviously cooler climate mm-hmm. than Barolo and Barbaresco, and uh, up there you have like La uh, Bramatera, uh, Gatinara, Gemme, a lot of these great Appalachians, mm. Boca, um, and there's some incredible small vineyard sites up there. Some of them, like Boca, has less than 15 hectares, or to translate, around 25 acres is total in the Appalachian. And you're sitting there looking up at the peaks of the Alps, and it's just like, mm. it's it's mind-blowing. And What's our smallest
0: appellation here? R-A-V-A?
1: Um, Green Valley?
0: No, it's, uh, well, in Sonoma County, yeah, but um what's the uh, coal oh, ranch no, sure. coal cool ranch. ranch yeah coal ranch in mendocino
1: yeah desire lines is a coal ranch recently.
0: so is that coal ranch is uh, its own ava yeah no, 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 no. okay
2: and how big is that because he's talking 20 how many hectares no. and acres I mean, so i mean 25 it's a, it's acres it's just a vineyard tiny
0: yeah i don't know
3: we could somebody could text cody and ask him how many acres i'm checking could, it out yeah, yeah. coal ranches
2: The age of instant communication, everything on your phone, man. I mean, so, well, you know, he did start, uh, Ian started to talk about uh, nothing sprayed in the vineyards, and Mm -hmm. we had a really interesting conversation going right before we turned the mics on, and it's all about Roundup. How much is being used, where it's showing up, um, and why we need a Roundup-free Sonoma County, and Cole Ranch is an AVA tucked away among the hills just south of Ukiah, 24 hectares, 60 acres. So it's a little
0: over double. But that's
4: pretty small.
2: Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and I don't it's think it's tiny. 60
0: acres planted. I, think it's, I mean, you know, it's maybe that approved, sometime yeah. in the next Thank 1800
3: you, yeah. years, that's the kind of place that gets a
4: rock wall around it, you know?
3: Right. Uh-huh. A <laughs> rock wall around <laughs> 60 acres. I love it.
4: So, yeah, the topic of uh, of, of Roundup is, is pretty sensitive to some because a lot of producers depend on it, and they don't really know how to farm without it. It's like you have a weed that's growing, and... You spray a chemical and it goes away, but the problem is that that chemical gets into the plant, and even if you remove Roundup, it still can be tested for six it more years. It never goes away, does it? I, You know, to the best of my knowledge, I, I saw a presentation that it lasts for at least six years in the actual root structure of the plant, um, but the problem is it really gets into the to the groundwater, yeah. it gets into people's bodies, and it's proven to cause cancer at it its is levels b- below 10 parts per billion. so when you're looking at, at the human species and the fact that one out of every two and a half people gets cancer and looking at the amount of chemicals that are sprayed, not just in grapevines, but looking at corn and soy, it's, it's, it's just it's, uh, it's a roads. very, it's a very big experiment on humankind and in <laughs> our hospitals and our, and our, uh, you know, health costs and what the amount you paid to be healthy is, it's very clear evidence yeah. we need to change something about yeah. well, I mean, what our water or our air or something. And I don't know if anybody cares because there's so many people making much, much so much money off of off of health and uh, the chemical companies producing and making profit on these chemicals. It's something that I haven't really been very outspoken about, but it's something that bothers me. Yeah, I, mean, I it, appreciate it's, that.
0: This is a, a generational thing, you know? I mean, we understand why farmers... Came into the commercial agricultural business and how it happened. You know, um, there is change. It's not happening maybe fast enough. But I just spent um, three or four days with a bunch of sixth graders down in Aptos at a marine sea, sea lab, and um, you know those kids at the kayaking at that age, go. Did you did you? Did you stay in the kayak? Oh, yeah, we all stayed in the kayak. No kayak rolls? No (laughs) kayak rolls. Um, But but it was very windy. Some of the kayakers (laughs) had to be towed out because they (laughs) couldn't get across the wind. But it's amazing to me that these kids, which at times can be just absolutely clueless like who's holding the brain, um, to they're very hip to Roundup's no good and why are there all these bottle caps in the um, ocean? And, you know, so I think we just have to keep pushing it forward and hoping that every generation after us is that much better. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really just like slowly breaking down barriers. When I posted a photo the other day and Sam, I'm you know, sorry for calling you. No, out. no, it's actually, it was <laughs> yeah. great, man. Cause it's, it's about looking at things a little bit differently. You know, it's a beautiful photo with, um, Arrowhead, like Arrowhead peak or mountain behind it. And, I didn't even notice myself, you know, right underneath the vines. It's just torched, <laughs> and then there's all this perfect, perfectly laid, you know, mustard grass right. grown in the middle. And even you know, so, Sam calls me out like, "Oh yeah, it's you know, it's a great <laughs> picture." And like, except for like the torched earth right there, you know. So it's about resetting and you mm. know, looking for grass and being able to, you know, look at the vines coming out of the ground as a natural plant and not so uh, you know manicured around them. It's well, interesting
4: what? that there's a new uh, there's a new way to combat weeds in the Midwest and a lot of these organic farmers. Are actually blow torching mm-hmm. the ground. Well, we have and, and, I, and I, and I, some
5: can have, I
0: have some stories about that. Yeah, we have some burners. <laughs> yeah,
4: um, but uh, you know,
3: um, again, sorry to call you out, and, and I do think that you know, look, I, the one of the things that the big, it's a huge pet peeve of mine when vineyard beauty shots are used in our our marketing and promotion, and it's if you have a, any sort, you know, trained eye. You know that that's a vineyard that's just been you know nuclear bombed with with glyphosate and and Ian hit on it. it. It's it's a crutch. It's a shortcut. And and if for nothing else to make better wine, stop spraying and get off your tractor and and take a shovel and a hoe and clear the weeds well, the around. Thing the thing
4: is, I mean, you can have you have these disking uh, yeah, machines that, that you can have. go through and you disc and it goes for about three or four inches, right? How, how far? Um, a couple right? inches. A couple inches yeah. low, and it and it basically you can you. I've talked to the guys at Rudd, and they changed to organic farming, and the wines have really shown a great, you know, in, in improvement. And yeah. they've been doing it for a long time now. But they're talking about the cost is not. It doesn't. It doesn't it, go. Up it that doesn't much. change. I mean, they were actually saying that they saved a little bit of money because they have to disk um, so often, and they have to spray a lot more often. And the in the the cost for the human capital is 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 very high when you have to spray roundup yep, quite yep. a bit. So um, a lot of people don't realize that you can get a disking machine and you can right. deal with it naturally and not have to use a chemical that's a carcinogen to humans and you're knowingly putting a carcinogen into a food product and I think that's a problem that
2: that's legal. Yeah. Right on.
3: How interesting. Hard you stop. Take, you take Storm it. Talk. Hard stop. Yeah, yeah, you take it that far. It's, yeah. I mean,
2: that's what it should be. I, I mean, mean, I mean, it, bo-
4: it does bother
2: me. We in- are poisoning ourselves yeah. for profit.
4: Yeah, that's, uh, let's let's uh, let's call a spade a spade. Well, and that's just <laughs> you know, it's
3: it's those farmers who are using it are are beholden to. Um, a chemical company that is selling them their product every single
4: year, whatever the price is, because they have to use and it and seeds and when or they you, think they have to they use think it. They have people use don't it, right. know, and I think that's a friend of mine, Carla Mandavi, is proving that a lot of people are just unaware. Um, you have the Monarch Challenge, um, that that is a new kind of uh, it's a it's a program to increase awareness of of what the the damage that Roundup is causing, and you know the the conversation shouldn't start at roundup let's look at all the fungicides and and different types of herbicides not just glyphosate but there's even more damaging yeah but they they have become a lightning rod really have right
2: and you know it's it's not just from roundup i mean that company has done an awful lot of different strange things with chemicals i'll just say that
4: but i mean look at i think i think roundup is banned was banned in france but i was talking with carlo mondavi about it and he was like well that doesn't matter because there's 30 other chemicals people use that are actually more damaging. So it's not, we can't just like single out Roundup. Uh, there's all of these herbicides and and there's different pesticides and things that are, that are really bad. And, um, of course that sometimes fungicides will save a crop. And I think in cooler climates in France, of course, that you have to choose between having a crop and not. And I understand that people are facing like losing their land and their life and not being able to feed their children. And so, okay, you use a fungicide in an emergency, but it's different than just blanketing your crop with this chemical because it's just a way you do things. The
3: the the fact is, um, a you know, uh, it's why glyphosate is a good place to start because you're, there are mm. these sort of emergency needs in, and especially in you know high fungus pressure areas. Um, but as you transition to organic farming, what you find is that when you do have to go that route, um, it's more effective. You you loo- you use less. Mm-hmm. Um, Friends of mine uh, in North Fork of Long Island, the the Shin Estate, they just sold a couple years ago. Um, David Page had a great restaurant in New York called Home back in the day, like early New York, you know, restaurant days. Um, and they, you know, they farm in the North Fork of Long Island. they were biodynamic farmers, except for they knew that they had crazy high powdery, you know, uh, downy mildew pressure, right. and so they, you know, they had in their back pocket those systemics to spray out there, and when they had to use them took care of the problem as opposed to the farmers who were using it on a three-week schedule because that's the only way that you Yeah, they're like,
4: it. oh, it looks like there's some moisture coming in. Let's go ahead and spray yeah, some chemical on it. our plants. You know, there's a lot of, you know, natural ways that to, to, to prevent that as well, but I think it, it takes more energy. Um, right. And, you know, I've visited a lot of great properties in Europe that there's people using nature to fight nature. Like if there's a pest right. outbreak, they release uh, 10,000 ladybugs instead right. of right. – you know, spraying, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of chemicals on their grapes. So, there's there's different ways to to address a given problem, and I think education is the best way. Not to say that I know all the solutions, but there are people who who are trained in this, and you know, organic viticulture is possible. It is challenging certain vintages, especially in high fungal areas. But um, I think people should be at least thinking about it. And if people are listening to this podcast and you know, supporting you know, chemical use in their vineyard, they need to rethink what they're doing. I think if there's anybody Who's listening to this podcast Who in Is brain right In their
3: vineyards They at least Feel awkward over uh, Not just because of this episode But right. it's a kind of it's About a, a every constant. single episode <laughs> How many times have we Have we said it Todd They've probably stopped, stopped well, listening to, yeah. It's yeah. who we, it's we are exactly. And there's
2: listening. a reason for it I mean once people get the news where it's really news like google sends it out <laughs> yeah right so there's an emergency with insects in the world and yeah. bees yeah you think right you know they're going away and we're killing them all
3: well and there's these sort of like charismatic indicator species which is where the monarch challenge comes in where you know right. not long ago there was clouds of monarch butterflies uh, migrating from the Sierras to to Monterey and Big Sur and know and, and the Yucatan Peninsula and, and now it's the occasional sprinkle um, and you know that's within my lifetime and right. you know, we already said how old I already said what that wasn't you know um, so it's 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 me blowing up um, there's I'm, I'm on phone watch I have a baby any day come kind of minute, you're really any, on minute I'm on phone watch oh yeah for sure. We're th- the, the so. today. The, we're like three days from D Day. Yeah, so, so phone, it, phone with me, yeah. all times. But it, it uh,
5: could
3: be
4: two weeks from now. It could be two weeks <laughs> from now. Yeah, probably.
3: That's what it's, it's just like. Two weeks of absolute tension, right? Um, but I don't even know what we're talking no, about. lifetime insects, insects, bugs. Yeah, you're talking about monarch butterflies. Yeah. As
1: Todd goes
0: to his phone because yeah, he's expecting. Put a Q in my pocket too. <laughs>
4: But I think it's interesting because most consumers aren't told about the dangers of these these chemicals. Yeah. Because look at look at who the biggest paying media spend is. Like, you know, the people that spend the most on media are the people that own these rights to these chemicals. So right. you don't necessarily, you know, they're not having big discussions on the news about anti chemical, anti this that GMOs. Right? They're basically, you know, shoving it under the rug and saying, okay, well, let's just. Uh, deal with it one cancer patient at a time versus actually addressing the the problem which is allowing farmers to spray carcinogens on our food that then goes into major supermarkets i'm always eating as many organic foods as possible of course that's there's certain things that organic farmers are allowed to put on their products that aren't perfect but um, the mass amounts of food that's in the center aisles of the supermarkets going across our country is affected in some way not to say that it's you know, they dipping it in it, but they're Well, they're, no, they're, But they're, almost, when you do, <laughs> when you use it as a desiccant
2: on your corn or your wheat in in the bread basket of the nation, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, right. all of that, the Dakotas, that's when it's really bad. You exactly. spray it three days before you harvest, so it dries it it's out. It's incredible, and then it's just right. everything has it. Even organic wines are showing up with a, a bit of. Ramen well,
3: there's that. I mean, you, there's there was the one article that came out where they tested 10 wines right. um, which isn't a sample size worth um, necessarily giving a whole lot of credence to and and you need to know in those facilities um, you know where those wines came from what they were because you can have an, an a wine with an organic label on it that um, passed through the same facility that, that was making non-organic wines um, you know, there's places that i know of in california where they have some of their blocks are certified and some aren't which is just like mind-boggling to me um well when i worked at benziger
0: we had you know biodynamic fruit organic fruit and then what they called sustainable which you know meant that you could spray roundup and we would have to process you know by hierarchy so we always process biodynamic fruit first and then down the line and if we ever had to go backwards, we'd have to sanitize everything. And the, our sanitation program was that we sprayed everything with ozone, thinking that that the oxidation right. you know killed anything. But quite frankly, it should have been three different. To really you know own right. it, you have to have three different facilities. Right. right? It's just like the nut, whole nut um, issue with kids' foods or with foods, you know. Things, people that are allergic to walnut nuts. Oh, right. Yeah, right, this right, food right. was processed in, in a plant facility, that may right. contain right. tree nuts, etc. A yeah, et faint et cetera. amount of yeah. dust can cause that, anaphylactic shock.
5: Then you know sensitive. maybe we need to
3: label our wine with this process. You know, product was processed in facility that may contain glyphosate. What about
0: well, what yeah, about what about nah. putting
1: ingredients on the back right, of a label? Like like,
0: yeah. like Ridge has done. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and Bonnie Doon.
1: Bonnie exactly. My uncle. Well, just just grapes. There's certain products <laughs> in California that say, you know, um, this product contains something known to the state of California to cause cancer. Well, I have so we
3: have that sign hanging in the tasting. You probably have that sign in the bar 65. too, don't you? Yeah, I'm sure yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. I mean, and what is that? In, what is that? That's the Clean Water Act.
3: Yeah, that's just the. And you know, there's, it's on everything in California that could possibly cause you cancer. At which any, is our
4: water. Which is our water, our <laughs> air. <laughs> yeah.
2: When you put gas in your car, if you're driving a gas
4: car. Yeah. Right. On the 405 freeway that's like next to like the exit for Beverly Hills. <laughs> 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 so Ian. Sorry, I was just a bad joke.
0: Let's, um, let's see. Can you, uh, where do we go? Psalm Select or the ma- or the movie?
3: Well, I want to actually, I want to go back to the Psalm Select um, six blind Bottle thing because I I love that idea and I actually was this morning because this there's this um, post on Twitter uh, advertised post promoted post um, for this thing there's six MIT grads came up with an algorithm to in seven questions tell you exactly Uh. the kind of wine you like and and if you take the, the test. Um I think the seventh question is your credit card number I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't get that far. I I I'd lost interest. You like um, Romani Conti? Yeah, exactly. Right yeah. Yes um, I do. And I, and I so I and it's been getting, you know, the wine Twitter world has been giving it a bunch of shit this week and I retweeted somebody's and and uh a Twitter friend of mine friend of mine named Robert Stevens who founded Geek Squad was like, "Look, you know, basically his question was How can we um, find wine that people like and and break them out of the I only like Pinots, I I hate Rosé, whatever they're like, whatever they're stuck in. um, And is there an algorithmic way for it? And, and, you know, so we had this sort of back and forth, but in a lot of ways, it sounds like that six pack that you're is the way to to. Find out what people actually like Mm -hmm. and to help them go from there to sort of broadening their palates and and going down that wine road, telling that wine story, which is, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't come to this definition, but a psalm is a wine storyteller. Uh, I mean, they're yeah. learning all the stories, learning the history, and then, and then telling those stories to people. Right. Um, I mean, it seems like that Psalm Select six pack, which yeah. I think we're gonna order and open. Yeah, I mean, on I the can, podcast I can, is the can, way I can, to do I, it. I,
4: I can drop one one by.
5: Uh, okay. All
4: right. know, as, a, as a local, as a local, the seventh question on yeah.
3: your questionnaire is my credit card number. <laughs> no, it's no, this, yeah, that's that's definitely. And, that's and I deliver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll deliver for okay, free. Okay. No
4: worries. Um, But yeah, I think it's interesting that people need to learn about their palates without looking at the label and thinking that they know what they like because they only know, most people only know 10 grape varieties and there's thousands in the world that might bring them... uh, Pleasure. I mean, it depends on what you're eating. If you're having sushi and having some dry Riesling, most people think that, oh, I hate Riesling. It's sweet. And Let like, it be
3: known that this was the longest that a Psalm has ever had a microphone in front of them <laughs> in
4: the, to say the
3: word Riesling.
4: Okay, go on. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a classic uh, classic thing. We're selling a lot of dry Riesling on Psalm Select, and people, we've really yeah. gotten people behind it. Like, right when we started the company, we couldn't sell. We would send an offer on Beaujolais, and we'd sell... 20% of what we did for Burgundy. Now our Beaujolais sales are double Burgundy because awesome. people are realizing yeah. that Cru Beaujolais grown on these granite slopes just south of Burgundy, it's technically Burgundy in the south and uh, there's some of the greatest price to quality wines right. on earth and you for pay $25 a, $25 a bottle right. and you're like, Absolutely. God, I'm happy right now. And then same thing with dry Riesling. We're doing a lot of direct importing of, of German Riesling right now and most of them are dry or some of them are off dry but very old back to the 70s and 80s early nineties that we're selling for $29 a bottle for like a 92 spate laser. And, uh, it's interesting that over time, our customers are reaching out and telling us how we've changed their life because they might live in Ohio or South Dakota is a huge market for us. Not huge. I think we have a hundred customers, but mostly, mostly doctors at this specific hospital. But, One of my friends has really promoted Psalm select and and all of the people are used to historically drinking they drink napa cabernet they drink sauvignon blanc from russian river pinot noir from sonoma coast maybe the occasional bottle of of brunello at their local italian restaurant but you know now they're tasting a sirtiko from santorini from these old vines planted on an old volcano with no water like you know so these incredible concentrated grapes or they're growing they're trying some croatian wine grown in the dalmatian coast or some uh, some red wine made in a monastery in bosnia or georgia or you know just all sorts of interesting wines around the world Um, but i think people need to you know the really interested people are already opened up their their mind but i think it's hard to crack the the code of people who really already think that they know everything but they only drink five varieties you know
0: so psalm select has obviously just a storefront where you can go on and if you know what you're looking for shop do you also have some packages or do you have some specific wine clubs?
4: So the genesis of Psalm Select is a daily wine offer. Uh, we, we do a morning offer, which is more of an average priced wine than we do an afternoon offer, which is a higher priced wine. So the morning offer might be a $20 dry Gruner Veltliner from, from the Comte in Austria. The afternoon might be a 1966 Schambel Mussigny from Burgundy for $275. So um, we try to appeal to all different price points depending on where you are. And that's the core of our business. 90% of our business is the daily wine offer. You can sign up for free on some select. Um, we do have two other clubs. We have one called the Psalm six, which is if you're too busy to even care about reading our emails every day, uh, you basically can pay $199 and we s- send you six great wines averaging, you know, $35 a bottle. It's always over $200 in retail value. And we send the stories, which includes the people, the place, the history, how it's farmed, the specific grape varieties and flavors. All of the the tasting notes that we talk about, uh, you know, sight, smell, nose, flavors, each offer has a specific wine pairing, um, and that includes with the daily wine offer. So the Psalm 6 is the same as the daily wine offer. We just select it for you. We do 60 wine offers a month. We'll select six of my favorite that I really feel encapsulate the the heart and soul of what we're trying to do as a business, and that's the Psalm 6. And then we have the Blind 6, which is, of course, three whites, three reds, wrapped in black paper
0: to mess with you and make you— you know,
4: <laughs>
5: expand your horizons. Lose self-confidence. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, expand your <laughs> you really, horizons. Exactly. I was yeah, teasing. you really
0: want to make it tough. Use black glasses.
4: <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's very important to note that if people are getting this, the blind six, to have a third party, you know, open and decant the wines for you, because uh, if you see bottle shape, you automatically mm-hmm. know if it's an Bordeaux bottle, and it really has a lot of elegance, you know. You're never gonna call it Pinot Noir because you saw the bottle shape, or if it comes in a Riesling bottle, you know that it's gonna be one of three wines. So that's not uh, just
1: about getting it right on in that situation. You know, it's about the experience of actually blind tasting and right. going through trying to figure out what it is, and not just you know the final result and calling the wine. I mean, yeah,
4: and I'll and I'll admit, like I'm I'm wrong often. Like there's I'm always challenging myself, and there's wines around the world that I blind taste that aren't easy to blind taste. But take you know if somebody gives me a Merlot from Moon Mountain, right, just right here. I mean doesn't mean that I'm gonna get it because sometimes these wines can be really hard and structured and take me to another place in the world. And that, that allows me to understand what Merlot from Moon Mountain might taste like rather than prejudging a label and saying, you know what, Moon Mountain Merlot is gonna taste like the Sonoma Valley floor, which isn't the case uh, for most of the time. I think uh, I'm looking at a sign behind you, Wine of Spirits, Moon Mountain. So, so it came to my mind, but uh, I'm always trying to push myself. We blind taste all the time at the office and i have my 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 teammates bringing you know blind tasting wines and these are wines that 10 days ago um i really loved and they might be 70 dollars a bottle and i'll i'll blind taste them and didn't like them that day and i thought it was a 35 dollar bottle we'll cancel the offer um, because it's it's really important that we check in on all the wines that we're offering and the 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 reason that we do what we do we want to offer the best price to quality wines on earth and we tend to we, we taste dozens and dozens of wines every day to pick two and we really try to share the greatest parts of the wine business in the world with people. But you know, not all wine is great. I think we all know that. You all have, we all have to kiss a lot of frogs to find the print, so to say. Um, but Psalm Select is uh, <laughs> our purpose. Is you know, we we kiss the frogs so you don't Remake. have to.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and uh, what percentage is um, imported wine? Oh man, I would estimate eighty percent.
4: Yeah, yeah, most people. You know, we do a lot of business with Oregon. I think Oregon, I'm sorry, Sonoma, but I think that uh, Oregon is making some of the greatest price to quality Pinot Noir on earth, yeah. along with Southern New Zealand. Um, inter- you know, looking at you can spend thirty two dollars on a bottle. When you when you spend thirty two dollars on a bottle of Russian River Pinot, it's pretty good. Right. But you can find stuff in Oregon for thirty two to thirty five that's like amazing, that is on par with a lot of things that are coming from Russian River for, you know, fifty to sixty. So. Um, but we do support, you know, the local wines as well. We do, we do love offering wines from Sonoma, Napa, um, Santa Cruz, Santa Barbara. Sometimes a little bit of Paso Robles, a um, little bit of Washington as well. But most of it is definitely um, focused on France, Spain, Italy, Germany, Austria.
0: Yeah. Those, so, those so what do you see? Um, who's, who's king? What varieties are king or regions are king? Burgundy and, um, is king. Okay. Burgundy is king.
4: king. Bordeaux. We're doing a lot of direct import business from Bordeaux because I can find insane wines coming from 96, 98, 2000, 20 year old bottles of wine that we can sell for under 30 bucks and of Bordeaux, yeah, of Bordeaux. And wow. so like, you know, where you're looking at, that sounds great. The class,
2: yeah. I'm, I'm in, I'm yeah. into that.
4: <laughs> Just yeah. come by the warehouse. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot. And so that's kind of a, a huge cornerstone. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow morning, <laughs> you better be careful connection. what you ask for. <laughs>
5: right. you, you know what? Just, just,
4: uh, just give me a call. John was here Ian four times last week. But I'm, I'm going back, and uh, you know, I'm spending the next month in, in France. I'm leaving in a few weeks. And you know, I'm uh, definitely kind of a kid in a candy store. And one of my investors bought a bunch of Bordeaux from Cheval Blanc. He bought Lascombe. He bought a million dollars in Bordeaux. And he said, Ian, would you would you come with me to all of these dinners and tastings for a week? Yeah, so I said, uh, gonna I got to clear my calendar. I don't know. I got a thing, a doctor's. <laughs> so do I see
2: what you have to look forward to. We're like, uh, yeah, yeah, this is awesome.
4: Like lunch at Cheval Blanc, dinner yeah. at Mouton. <laughs> it's going to be like, and I, you know, I've, I've been in the wine business for nearly 20 years, but I haven't had the opportunity of really, you know, going to a lot of these, these places. And <laughs> Cause you, you, were studying, yeah, you know, yeah. you were studying flashcards. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, thank God that, uh, that I passed and now I can, enjoy the wine a little bit where this is, you know, with a pile of flashcards. Although I will admit that whole process of becoming a master sommelier was a joy and the, the camaraderie and the people you get to meet, uh, is amazing. And the amount I learned from people around me and I was inspired by people around me and, and, uh, all of that that uh, hard work you know although at how uncomfortable it was for me at some points i think a lot of people got to watch that <laughs>
0: personally well, just <laughs> the first know movie. that if you if you go back and listen to some of the episodes of our show you'll notice that we do make fun of sommeliers here, well, and, the, here and there, we but sell wine to, to right. them for It's my last time. It's but it's yeah. utmost yeah. respect. Utmost respect. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: make fun of winemakers also, so absolutely. it's okay. Hey, so, you Ian. Know they, winemakers are chefs yeah. <laughs> who only work once a year. So. <laughs> can, have big can, you, can you do Do you, you guys actually back. do anything? I mean, come on. Can you Go train on yourself?
2: <laughs> or do you have to be a natural? I mean, can you You can
4: absolutely train yourself. It's kind of like vision, you know, like. If you have 20-20 vision, you could analyze art and become an art expert. If you didn't have good vision, you couldn't do that job, right? Same thing with wine. If you have decent sense of smell, you know, you're, you're going to be able to describe wines to people. And um, I think it's challenging for some because they don't really have that. Some people have more intensity of taste um, sensitivity and some people don't. And I have clients of mine that actually don't have a sense of smell. And so they, don't, they typically like richer wines and they can only taste with their, their palate. Um but yeah, it's uh yeah. I don't really know.
3: I
2: was gonna say John so you much can. time in the
3: back of limos.
2: Yeah, I understand that.
3: <laughs> um so I, that's actually a question that I have. Um doing something like you do with Psalm Select and and I'm sure that there's you know clients that you deal with who, you know, you know what they're but how and and maybe this goes to building a restaurant wine list also, um how do you move away from your personal preferences and evaluate these, you know, wines on on based on their quality and and how you think they're going to do with your customers. Um, as and you know, obviously personal preference and land on the ones that you like the most in those categories. But you know, everybody has things that they like more than other things, and doesn't necessarily mean that they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and doing that at you know the level that that you do and you have. How do you how do you like sort of mitigate that?
4: I try to see, you know typically people like what I like. And I think that there's no gray area of what the classic and the great wines of the world are. Um, you look at areas like Sicily, like, like Nerola Mascalese grown from the volcanic slopes of Etna. You look at Alianico grown out in Campania. You look at, uh, Sangiovese grown around Tuscany and Nebbiolo from Piedmont. You know, the incredible white wines coming from Alto Adige and Austria. And there's, it's pretty, it's pretty clear on what the great wines of the world are. We do sell those. And Um, Some people don't necessarily uh, kind of see that level of quality and, and don't really understand more earth versus fruit. And there's some people who really love to drink Old Vine Zinfandel from Dry Creek Valley or Old Vine Zinfandel from Sonoma Valley, which I think is delicious as well, but it's a completely different flavor profile. You're looking at these very dense, rich wines with a lot of fruit, not much acidity, not much minerality. In the old world, you're looking at wines with a lot of tension, lots of layers, lots of savory aspects and you know more earthy notes like mushroom and turned earth and forest floor and like tree bark and things that really i think over time you want in wine i think when you have a young palate, you typically like that big rich sweet buttery chardonnay and that big zinfandel i loved bogle petite syrah and all these zinfandels i was at i went to sonoma state university and i would go to oliver's market and whatever was floor stacked there for (laughs) 8.99 i'd buy it and i loved it and over time my palate evolved. And I think most people, most people's palates evolve. And, you know, you like, you know, maybe string cheese when you're a baby and you like blue cheese when you're older, you know, it's like the simple things and that uh, your palate evolves. And we really try to appeal to different flavor profiles of of different customers, Um, notably offering modern styles of Napa Cabernet or riper styles of Zinfandel. But it's very clear that most people identify with the same Wines that I like, and that's mm. mostly European wines coming from classic Appalachians that have
0: a very distinct tori- story to tell your palate. So, Ian, um, okay. where you, so we know that you went to Sonoma State. Yeah. I, one how thing I goes- always wonder is one, how what was your first job in the wine business? How did you get interested in wine? And but where did you grow up and how did you come to Roanoke Park? <laughs> so, I grew, Sorry, I grew up in Huntington Beach,
4: I grew up in Huntington Beach with a surfboard and. Tennis racket, pretty much. Like That's what I did every day. I surfed, played tennis. And uh, my sisters went to Sonoma State, and I went and visited them when I was 16. And it was just like... <laughs> and and it was, was... a six-story bong. <laughs> right. <now. laughs> no, there actually was. <laughs> it was actually three feet. Okay. But um, I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, so I just walked into this, this house, and there's all these incredibly nice people. Just everyone is so... Like, Sonoma is just an incredible place on Earth. And I think we all know that we're living here. And the people... It's just a different vibe, not to say that you know, where I grew up in Orange County, uh, you know, listen, I love you, Orange County, but Sonoma has this, uh, very kind of just very open energy and like people are just of people, of course, we all know that one in a thousand that aren't, but most people are incredibly kind and gracious and sharing. And, and I really love that energy about this place. And, um, Sonoma state was at that point rated the number one. It was considered like the Ivy league of the state schools of California. There was like 20 kids in every class with a teacher versus a hundred kids in a class at other places. And I just, I went to Sonoma coast. I was like, this place is incredible. Like goat rock. And like Having going to Grayton and, you know, going to these small cafes and having the best pair with the best goat cheese and you're like, how is food so good up here? Yeah. And so I was really attracted to that whole that whole just uh, lifestyle and that greenery and the beautiful hills and Sonoma Mountain dominating the landscape. And so I came up here and, uh, and tried out for the tennis team. And so I played tennis for Sonoma State. Um, and uh, Did you sur- Did you surf? Any of those? No, you know what? Sonoma I'm, Coast definitely. I'm definitely okay. f- afraid of Great White, so right, I didn't enough, actually. Right. So uh, we can not talk about that. Okay. I, I think <laughs> moving I, on. One of my one. Of, I'll tell you. One of my buddies on my tennis team. He's like, Ian, you got to go surfing with me at Salmon Creek. The next week, he comes back and he's like, looks like he was almost died or something. I'm like, what happened? He's like, some guy got attacked next to me in Hold Salmon Creek and I had to <laughs> and he had to paddle through his blood to get back to oh, the. Uh, and I was like you know what? maybe my choice of right. not surfing out yeah. here's although people call me you know a lot of <laughs> names like Ian come on <laughs> let's go and I, I just don't necessarily uh, like the feeling of you know, almost being eaten at every second. You're like paddling out there. Like so a was,
3: was half moon Bay far enough South for you? Half moon when, cause you went, cause you, the, the I was st- at the Ritz Carlton, right, half half yeah. but that, yeah, I mean
4: that place is filled with sharks. So, so not, like no, no, surfing in half moon no, that's either. a part of the red triangle. Oh, that is, that's what I, I was going to say.
3: Is that like the Southern end? Okay. That so is, you only no, surf when Santa you Santa go...
4: Cruz is the Southern okay. end. So, uh, yeah, but no long story short, surfing is one of my, my favorite things on earth. And you know, I've surfed in South Africa and Kauai and all over the Hawaiian islands. And, um, You know, I definitely, (laughs) sharks are on my mind all the time. The uh,
3: Sonoma Coast uh, Tourist Board is not going to
4: replay this one. Sorry, guys out there. Okay. We can cut that out, Yeah, the whole shark thing. So (laughs) I ended up... uh, No editing. (laughs) So visited the coast, just fell in love, ended up playing on the tennis team, and uh, started teaching tennis lessons, making extra money. And I was studying Spanish and wine business and international business. And I had extra money to go to the store and, and buy wine. And most, most kids were, you know, most college kids were drinking beer and I was drinking Zinfandel or whatever I could. And I was watching the wine show, Simply Wine with, uh, at that point, Andrew Emmer, now Andrew, Andrew Robinson. Yeah. But, uh, she was, uh, she was an inspiration for me and I would watch her travel around the world. And I, I uh, loved
0: that show. And, uh, and uh, I,
5: yeah,
4: and then, uh, yeah. And then I graduated and, got a job. Basically, one of my friends, friends knew Jerry Luper. I don't know if you know who Jerry Luper is he was a winemaker at Fremark Abbey, okay. Chateau Montelena. He was on the winemaking team with Mike Gergich who made the 73 Chardonnay that won the Paris tasting. Uh, and he had was a consultant for a winery called Royal Porto um, in Portugal. So I graduated college in 2003. Um, and I was offered $2 an hour to come work at that winery. So I got on a plane with one of my buddies landed in lisbon spent some time there and took a train up to the Douro valley and i spent the next three months basically unloading grapes and adding yeast to fermentation tanks doing pump overs and learning the basics of winemaking stepping on grapes in the lagars with the you know indigenous portuguese people you know drinking wine out of uh, like old paint thinner cans like you know it was really fun <laughs> but uh <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it was an experience, and, uh, and
3: probably worked enough hours that two dollars an hour, you left with money in your pocket. You know,
4: yeah, I mean, I, I left. I'd, I'd done pretty well uh, cool. teaching tennis in uh, in in college, and uh, had some money saved up. So I spent, you know, that it wasn't for the money. I was there for the experience, and absolutely. And then I spent the next year and a half traveling around Europe and North Africa and India, and went broke in Monaco. Ended up living in in, in London. Long story short, came back and got a job at the wine merchant of Beverly Hills, um, and,
0: uh, borrowed money from my dad to buy a suit for the interview. And, uh, so you never worked in a restaurant, you're never like a server in a restaurant. I was a hosted, I was
4: hosted a place called the Harbor house cafe in sunset beach. Okay. Um, and so I worked in restaurants and I
0: was, you know, helping bus tables and so stuff, but I
5: wasn't a server. Wine. I was
4: around, not, no, that was a more of a, a diner. Yeah. So I wasn't okay. really around, around wine. My dad, I was always around cigars. And you know, wine, he would share wine with me and his yeah. beer. He would always drink like different IPAs and things and share them with me, but it wasn't like wine was open around yeah. my childhood all the time. He would cool. drink first growth Bordeaux on his anniversary and things like that. But So it's Oliver's um, Market. I, I think that, that Oliver's
3: Market was where I started yeah,
5: that, yeah. 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 Like like Oliver's Market. Yeah.
3: Oliver's
4: Market to Master Somme.
0: Is a pretty cool, yeah. You
5: yeah, know, I mean, you yeah. should
0: be on one of the posters.
5: Yeah, somewhere in there.
3: Yeah, you know, There they, there's, there's there's should there. be a Psalm Select uh, on the, yeah. you know, end Kevin
4: there's more, and the, there's more in this story that I won't say on, on air. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Oh, that's, that's where, where you want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you would love to hear this story, and I was about to, but I decided not
5: to. <laughs> Maybe it's a good next, one though. We can may, we maybe can, when you return.
2: Now, Ian, I think you need to rethink that. <laughs>
5: no, it's you not going it, to happen.
2: This is this is the best time to come clean like that. It's all put your man, John
0: the um, butcher um, man. I'm gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna um uh, ask about this second wine here that we're trying, Todd. Yeah, this is a Vinsanto um,
1: 2001 uh, Vinsanto from Chianti Classico. Um, so it's mostly Malvasia. I've never I've never tasted this. You never had Vinsanto? Uh, no,
3: Vinsanto is cool.
4: And I do have one more wine. Oh, That's uh, right. We oh, have absolutely just yeah. whenever
0: you guys want. Okay. Um, so Todd,
5: t- Should we about get, this do a that bit? before I have the Vinsanto? Uh, yeah, maybe? maybe so. Okay.
4: Uh, we can. We can. We can talk about the Vinsanto. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, dried grapes, uh, <laughs> super classic, coming from, from Tuscany. Classic with biscotti, you know, usually like tropical fruit, apricots, nuts. I don't know what else yeah. you'd, you'd say.
1: So,
0: Spot on. Yeah. So, so what I don't understand with these dried grape variety wines is is it just that the yields are just that low it's just what they or do they actually because the sugars have to be incredibly high are they adding water what, what are they doing How drying the grapes in these
4: uh, in these rooms they're either on straw mats or they're hanging from the roof and
0: right. the grapes
4: end up you know if you say you have potential sugar of X and you lose 50% of the, the sugar you end up doubling your your concentration of sugar per liter so you end up with wines close to 200 grams Per liter at the high point i think it's like over 220 or 230. all the
3: juice comes from those dried grapes they're not adding and they have maybe.
4: to the best of my knowledge i've never actually witnessed it but i was there when studies, they were drying them i didn't see I know, yeah,
1: yeah it's, all, it's all just from the pressed it's uh, all from the press. uh, raisins if you will yeah. Yeah.
4: so yeah you have these dried grapes and the process of the drying of the grapes you know it's that's more of a technical term found in amaroni production but you there's these rooms that guess, uh I guess mainly
0: I'm wondering, I mean, I, I can understand where where this is because it's still sweet, but Amaronis, they're dry or, you know, theoretically pretty dry. And you just kind of wonder, maybe the grapes aren't quite as um, concentrated, quite as dried. I, I've just never been around that process. Yeah, and different varietals as well.
1: I mean, right. these are white wine grapes. Right.
4: Yeah. And you have, you know, as the grapes concentrate, the acidity concentrates. Sure. So you end up with uh, with more freshness and... A little bit more tension. Like you drink this wine and it's not cloying at all. This, no, this is delicious. I mean, two
1: thousand and one. Yeah, it's got this great oxidative note and beautiful nuts.
4: It's almost like Madeira on the nose slightly. It's that that Mm -hmm. oxidative nutty, almost like walnut and toasted nuts, and that little kiss of like uh, dried apricot. Mm. It's really interesting. Ian,
2: is there a wine you don't like?
4: Yeah. Wines with roundup in it. Yeah, for fuck's sake. You know, I don't like. Besides, I I typically don't like a lot of the mass-produced wines with residual sugar added to them that plague the markets, particularly on the supermarket shelves around chest high, the fifteen (laughs) dollars reds. That highly diplomatic answer. um, And uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these wines are—they're adding concentrates of color. They're adding up to twenty grams of residual sugar, and they're—you know—people don't know that they're drinking you know, a a wine that has, you know, 30% of what Coca-Cola does in terms of sugar. But they're like, God, this wine's delicious. And, you know, it's kind of a trick because, you know, our brains love sugar. We're trained to love sugar. Sugar allows us to survive. And, uh, you know, you have a really beautifully made dry wine with less than one gram of sugar. That's $80 a bottle that's like handcrafted. And you give a blind tasting to the average consumer. And you take grapes from Modesto and you add Mega Purple and put a bunch of sugar in it you know, a lot of people choose sugar over quality. And I think that's, that's a problem for me. So that's one thing that, you know, when I was in college, I would try, my sister would have like two buck Chuck open. And I remember trying it three years ago. And it was like, it's amazing how your palate changes. <laughs> and you start to like, you know, it's uh, kind of, I don't know, it's, it's weird how your palate changes and your, your paradigm of life evolves every glass of wine and every place I've ever been. So you come back to these, quote unquote, classic wines that are you Know 50,000 cases a year of made of X producer, which I don't want to say on air. Um, and they bring a lot of people pleasure because it's alcohol that has fruit in it and it, there's, it, it's sweet. Yeah. And and those are the wines that I can't stand.
1: Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's I had a quick question for you. I yeah. noticed that, um, you had Fred Dame, Matt Stamp, a couple different like guest, uh, master songs are yeah. coming to help you guys out. Chris afternoon. Miller, Can you yeah, you just talk a little more about that.
4: Yeah, we, you know, we're trying to diversify the the palettes that kind of contribute to our offers. And, um, I think it's important as time goes on that we share other people's opinions. And so we have a number of different some that, that we try to kind of contribute. We have David Lynch, who's the editorial director, who's an incredible writer and incredible wine mind. He's worked for decades in restaurants. So he's kind of the, the, the cornerstone of our writing team. And, uh, you know, we have people again, Chris Miller, ex-sommelier of Spago, um, and uh, he he contributes, you know, once a month. We have Fred Dame who's contributing like once a quarter. He hasn't recently because he just started a new gig at Dow. Um, but we're trying to. It's called the Satellite Sommelier Program or the Contributing Sommelier Program, and just kind of getting other people's perspective because I'm bored with my own. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Dow. other and maybe some other people are too. That's, but I think it's it's important to diversify our voice at, at Psalm Select. and over time, Select is going to be. A voice of a diversified voice of some ways, uh, not just mine. All right, Sam. how's the nightclub. We're having a We're Bart and I are. Uh,
3: we're breaking down where Fred Dame's job is, and I went to Vegas nightclub, and I, I don't think that probably makes that much sense because there's not good duck hunting in Vegas. In your wine's
5: here
2: <laughs> your wine was was brought in by Paul, so. There you go. See, Paul. P- Paul. Thank you, Paul. Li- Paul. Paul live it. podcasting. Paul makes everything function correctly. I mean, it's this guys a machine everywhere.
3: That's I couldn't do. We, you know, this all doesn't happen without Paul. That whole listen to it and
4: maybe maybe. So this we- wine I'm decanting now is uber classic from a very special place, and I'm excited to share it with everybody.
2: See, that's exactly what I'd like guests to say.
0: I mean, it's did just it, perfect. Did it come no. across my um, email this morning as a the current Psalm Select
4: offering? I don't know. I think today was a German Riesling. I don't.
2: It was actually. I just was looking at it.
4: Just yeah. I think it was uh, it was Nischen. Yeah, the cabinet.
5: Nice.
2: Well, well, now look at that. Well,
4: incredible. Jeez.
2: Now there's no mega purple in that. All right,
1: no shivers. <laughs> no. I have found with a lot of people doing Dry January lately that, uh, like candy sales and chocolate sales, the snow's best kind of goes up during that month. Because People are looking right for there, their looking, sugar. They need their, I'm going to do this again. and by people I mean myself. That's the
5: best. That's, that's that. a it's just perfect. A I, I really, I really loved when
4: you did that to open up the podcast. So Every I just, episode, I was like kind of jealous. So I want to do that again.
0: There you go. When you start a podcast, you can go ahead and use that yeah, technique. Not, not yeah, not patented. I'm yeah. just going to come show beautiful, up here. Beautiful. I'm just
4: going to come show up here. It looks like you guys go through quite a bit of work <laughs> to put this on. So <laughs> all that like control board.
2: Well, it's, it. uh, it's not instantaneous, but it's fun. <laughs> That's, That's the best thing.
4: I'm having a great time. I want this to Look last this for color on five more wow. hours. I wonder how much we could talk about if this went for six Oh, this is just beautiful. Hours. beautiful.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Mhm. Well, it's got a hell of a nose, doesn't it?
4: Yeah. It does. As you can tell the color is much different than the last wine. This wine has Very much. A very concentrated, almost like a lighter purple, but it's opaque. You can't see through it. If you like put your thumb behind the glass, you can't even see your thumb, the outside of your thumb. I like that one. Some staining of the tears. Even when you, like, yeah. twirl the glass, you can see that there's pigment that sticks on the glass, which shows you this is a thicker-skinned grape variety with a lot of color. So,
2: Lower tens than the other. Neither high.
4: What does the, the nose tell you? If you guys smell it, what kind of fruits?
0: Black, blue. Yeah, black, blue. Yeah. Black, blue. Oak. It, it, I think that it's young because it seems to be a little closed, I think in like 5 minutes it's just going to explode mm. with more aromas.
4: It smells so good. I just bought a case.
0: <laughs> it was sitting on the floor in my <laughs>
4: living room and I was like we got to we got to drink one of these today. Even though it is young, it's just it's undeniably delicious it's just, red wine that's yeah, beautiful. That I don't think it'd be impossible I think for anybody not to like this.
2: I'm all in on this one. If you guys don't drink ears, I'll, I'll finish
4: it. <laughs> Want some sort of like braised lamb, mm-hmm. mm. pork cheeks, a lot
2: of things. Up at the uh, mm-hmm. go right to the grill on the fig from here.
4: Yeah. yeah, pairs well with oxygen. Yeah, pairs well with life. <laughs> life in general. Yeah, pairs well with life. I would pair life. this with being alive. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the best well with life can i borrow
3: that <laughs> yeah okay. you can have that you can have I that and the pour I'll, open. Say, I'll, yeah. I'll send you a six as long, pack every month as in return as long as we can say drink your best bottles below <laughs> <point> oh 0.01 0.01 <laughs> <laughs> or point 0.1 was it
4: point no, was no, point 0.1 point one. Point 0.1 yeah okay which is basically just about True. driving driving yeah. no driving is point oh 0.08 so right. point 0.1 is just okay. a beer over that when you're having fun that that's still a point where you can remember but you know oh, over yeah. point 0.1 you know you're you're having maybe a little too much fun where your m- taste memory shuts off and you don't remember. And I think that's kind of a bummer when you spend a lot of money on a wine and you don't remember. <laughs> oh, no, you want so to. So that's some science Absolutely. that I'd like to
3: pursue is <laughs> when my taste memory shuts off. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, you know, that's one a, a part of being a psalm for sure, right? Is like knowing when... It doesn't matter what you're tasting anymore if you've tasted a thousand things and you know just, you mean just
0: shut it off and just shut enjoy it, it? up just, just yeah yeah you know,
4: at some point you just need to stop thinking about it and yeah. I do too um, I don't always geek out about wine it's fun to really pay attention and talk about all the intricacies but sometimes I just like to have a a beverage not you know a glass of wine is also a beverage you know I drink a lot of cocktails, I love beer and uh, you know it's not just about geeking out it's about enjoying life so. I mean, this is
0: a
2: big
5: one. Mm-hmm.
0: This is massive. Um,
2: so you think massive? Well, you, I mean, you it's ordinarily think my Bordeaux's making for me massive.
3: salivate. It's not. It's not a well. Think about no, like. No.
4: Think about no. like Molly Duker Shiraz. Have you had that like the Velvet Glove, where it's a ten out of ten on body? It's not just whole milk and texture. Think about like one percent milk, two percent milk, whole milk, you know, heavy cream, buttermilk, like. There's big, intense wines. For me, this is more like two percent or whole milk, and it's not like buttermilk in texture. And right, some of those yeah. big—it's not that yeah. thick. It's not yeah. that yeah. thick. Yeah, like some right. of the big, it's not cloying. S- some of the some of the big scoring wines are very cloying and very intense and very right. just—they're they're to the point where you feel like you're. This it's more close. It's closer to honey than water in terms of lifts, viscosity.
1: And this has a like good vegetal, like an uh, acid lift at the end. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, this points me to Northern Rhone. Yeah, that's. But, it's so, what
4: are the qualities of Northern Rhone that you guys typically would would associate?
1: See, I, I, cause
3: I keep thinking that, but I also keep yeah. thinking that it 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 might be Southern.
0: Right off the bat, For, I mean, was, cause I, right I don't think the, it's alcoholic enough to be Southern. Yeah, that's probably. True. And and it's not. Cause um, it's got a little. It's it's it, it doesn't have um uh. There's no uh. What was it Greek? God, God, yeah God, yeah, God, 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 yeah God, Right It's the more one, Those are like the wild herbs but Right It's, it's more it doesn't pure doesn't mean fruit. it's not
3: like But higher elevation southern
5: Right Yeah we Oh
3: yeah talk Or like a, a, a Or something right. like that Absolutely Yeah Because it, it's not I don't know if it's all the way to Syrah Like it has Syrah But I don't know if it's all the way Syrah
4: Yeah I mean Gigonis has quite a bit of Syrah yeah. So you yeah. can still get the olive and meat And the white pepper mm-hmm. um, So yeah Because it's I've, got I've this had, like
3: brightness element that keeps throwing me somewhere else might have to get a case yeah. of that
4: just know, for reference me? so this is a 50 dollars bottle of okay. wine 49 technically on the site and uh once you guys so who's in this who's in the north who's in the south and who's outside
1: i'm gonna go to st joseph i'm gonna go north okay. i'm gonna hop on todd's bus i'll go southern
3: for, so the, for the
4: sake of being an outliner i'm gonna say a chicken dust good Okay, so uh, yeah, San Joseph, one of the most famous appellations across the hill from Hermitage, very famous. Um,
1: no
2: shit.
5: So I this, like this. So this is brown paper bag reveal. You know here.
4: what? You're just gonna be talking about this day forever. You crushed it again, <laughs> Saint Joseph, oh, right? 2016. But this isn't just like Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph has quality all across the board, just like if you were gonna say Sonoma County. Um, there's there's these really beautiful terraces one of the most famous is called sanapine it's very close to where raymond trollat's vines are so raymond trollat is you know stopped making wine uh over 10 years ago about 10 years ago and uh, there's some of the most cherished vines on this hillside called sanapine that's very close to a town called saint jean de Mouzol, across from tain la so tain l'Hermitage comes down and if you're sitting on the top of the hill of hermitage right across the river to the west you'll see this hill called sanapine and it's really beautiful it's it's a about 20 percent the size of hermitage but as the same exposure it's all this beautiful granite and these towering slopes if you're sitting below them they're just huge slopes like imagine 20 or 30 vines and then a 10 foot drop and then 10 or 30 10 to 30 vines depending some places only have like seven or eight vines and so you have incredibly small production um very very small yields and this is made by a guy who has this tiny winery it's literally the size of this room we're sitting in, which is probably about thirty feet by fifteen feet, and all of his tanks and hoses are going through the ground, and and he just makes brilliant wine. We only got a very small amount of this, and uh, yeah, Domaine Pierre Sèche, Santa 2016, like 25 cases
0: or something like that. Is that a yeah, small amount? Yeah,
4: no, I got fifteen cases, fifteen cases, so one hundred eighty bottles, and and bought one for himself. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, we might. There was, I think, there was about twenty five cases brought in by the importer and so we got majority of it so, so you're
3: you're are you are you you are direct importing some stuff and you're working with a like a book of different importers for we
4: are direct importing probably 10% of what we sell um it just allows us to offer better prices yeah. just because when you don't have the three tier distribution um we're a lot, we can we can offer great prices gr- great price to quality and we control everything it comes right to our, our door refrigerated containers the whole way and then we ship it to you, um, refrigerated container as well, until the last stop, um, which we have an option that you can have a ice pack put into the bag, into the box, and ship to your to your doorstep. So, so you're shipping 365. We or- try not to ship. We tell people that we don't want to ship in the hot summer months okay. where you are, just be, to be safe. And so we have a summer hold program, where if you order a wine in July, we'll deliver it to you in in October. And I think uh, most of the people who order from us don't order from us so they can drink the wine the next day. 90, what is it? 95% of the wine in America is yeah. drank the same day it's bought. Right. Eight um, hours. I learned that
3: watching either Psalm 2 or Psalm 3 because I binged in the last couple of days. I don't remember.
4: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a great business. And uh, we really just try to bring great wines to people that, you know, if, if people don't know anything about wine and they sign up for Psalm Select and buy a, a random bottle, they're going to learn something about their taste buds. They might like it. They might hate it. Um, But most of the time they're going to like it because these are are tried and true appellations from great producers around the world. And we're not like, you know, it's not a guessing game. This is, these wines have been great long before I was born and they're going to be great long after I'm not here. It's so. a great buy at $50 a bottle. Absolutely.
3: I mean, this is going to, your, yeah, your, pe- your, your Burgundy friends are going to be happy. Your mm-hmm. Southern Rhone friends are going to be mean, happy. It's just changing Shut up, a Bordeaux you guys, guy. You know, I mean, it's like really like everybody at the dinner party is going to be happy if you open this bottle. You know, um, there's my wife As it, long as you're below 0. 0.1.
1: My wife and I <laughs> this summer, or last summer, we were in um, in the Northern Rhone. We are sitting on Hermitage having lunch up top on the hill. And before that, we were at Delos, and we tasted... You know, everything side by side from Hermitage, St. Joseph, Cote Roti, all of the things. I mean, this is just, this is a beautiful wine. Thanks for you bringing know
4: what, this. You this is, this is a super, this is as good as Northern for gets. And I think if you taste Hermitage, that's 150 or $200 a bottle from Chave. Or if you taste like the great Cote Roti's from, you know, Ogier and, and, and Jame and, and people like that. And then you have this, which is less than half the price or mm-hmm. 25% of the price of some of these. Um, you'll see that price to quality is is paramount to what we do, and I think that's uh, if I was going to say one thing about our business, it's all about price to quality, mm-hmm. which 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 can exist at five hundred dollars a bottle. Absolutely, you know, if it's a nineteen, you know, forty nine, uh, you know, Chateau whatever, and, and it's five hundred dollars a bottle, there's there's something to be said. If the five of us went in on it, and hundred dollars a piece, we all had a glass,
5: and you're tasting a piece stoked. of history, we would be yeah. stoked.
4: Right, as long as the wine wasn't cooked and some backseat of somebody's car like you know one day which that's the tough part about knowing what you're buying yeah and it's a you know it's a it's a risk you're playing you know roulette in a sense when you're buying old wine
3: the older the, the older it gets the more dangerous that buy is right
4: yeah and you just have to know the lineage of you know and that's why it's great that we were buying all these old wines directly from bordeaux because these are wines that left the chateau uh maybe six months ago and they're wines that never saw the light of day they've been sitting in the cellar in their wooden boxes for the last 20 years. And we're selling these things for under $40 a bottle for like Is it 20 year old. Is it in, in your warehouse? <laughs> all that,
3: <laughs> that old, old Bordeaux dust and, and mold in and your, no, they like clean them before they, there's just a lot of, chin. there's just you,
4: just, you know, you go to my warehouse, there's a lot of wooden boxes and a yeah. lot of them say Chateau something.
1: Chateau something. His di wines are incredible. I mean, they really are the ones that I've had. They're bang for the he buck. He sells a few, yeah.
4: he sells a few at Sonoma's best. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Good place yes. to buy wine. Yeah, some of my friends will go in there and they'll look at the back and they'll be like, you're selling wines at Sonoma Best. You've made it. Like, <laughs> And I was like, yeah. yeah. One of the, you the, the easiest Todd, Joll- yeah. yeah. oh,
0: Todd Jolly supposed- selling your wine? Yeah. No, it's cool. No,
1: Every one yeah. of
3: those people left with a $100 bill in their pocket
1: probably. Got another big order for you guys coming on like the 18th, I think.
4: You should put the Seven Commandments, number seven right. is the credit card. Yes, seven, you know? Number seven is the <laughs> credit like, card. Like, hey, meet Todd. <laughs> the seven things he's going to ask you for is your credit, credit card. card.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: You always get mine up front. <laughs> John, right, John, right, right, John right walks in, credit walk card out. In, man. Yeah.
1: John have a good thing going. He comes in. There's some new people at the bar that he hasn't met yet. I introduce them. They talk for an hour. I pick out his wines. He gives me the credit card. He takes off, you know? It's... <laughs> And you know what? I bet you line. those people
3: at the bar buy more because they had that conversation oh, with absolutely. John and they yeah. watched John
4: leave with wine. Do you still have Blind Pig on tap?
1: Yeah, I do. And I have their uh, Russian River STS Pilsner. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, by the way, Blind Pig. The the that's, real that's way to me, that's attract the
4: wine people.
3: Yeah.
1: What kind of what kind of beer do you got, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two of nope. my four handles being Russian
4: River. <laughs> it's right. pretty good. No, I yeah. mean, it's 500 yards north of my warehouse. So it's, uh, I, I go in there about once a month for a beer and a nice panini and... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're, an, you're in you're in 8th Street East as well. You come check out our warehouse. Okay, you know, I will. Yeah, they're I down. Might, um, we could even do, you know, if you guys want to set up from our warehouse one day, we have access to any wine you want to drink at any second. let let's do Again, it. Again,
2: be careful what I'm you, you ask for. As well. yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> no, we can, we can honestly do it. Maybe we'll find...
3: Is it the old, like, rare wine? No,
0: you guys are down in the new
4: buildings, right? On the other side of the airport? Yeah, I mean, there's a... Basically, Carneros Meadows Lane. Okay, so if you know where that is,
3: uh, I spend a good amount of time on the other side of the airport,
4: close to the 121. Okay, just about a half mile north. It's on the east side of the road, and next 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 to some gymnastics place and Fagioni's olive oil or something. My
3: nephew does
4: baby gymnastics there. So yeah, so if you walk (laughs) next door, you can, you know, you can pick up some wine and yes.
3: He's a, a Katuri doing gymnastics. Hard stop. That's a visual. <laughs> Especially when with your brother bringing him to gymnastics. Right. The only the only giant, white, dirty Ford pickup truck in the... Probably hey,
2: on the other hand, you're pretty damn good at yoga, Sam. Uh,
3: so, thank you. I so. know. I mean, yeah. you do it. You all get it done. Wine requires balance in all facets. Are you doing Bikram yoga? Uh, we do Iyengar yoga. Um okay. In the Enterprise Vineyards conference room doubles as a yoga studio uh, twice a week in there. I've been uh, doing
4: some Bikram recently. That, sweating that, it talk out. Talk about hell to heaven. Like, you're in the middle of that class. I don't know if you've done it. It's 105 that, yeah. degrees, and you're literally, <laughs> it's, like, very, very challenging. i put it at that point, and then you get out of it, and you feel like, okay, let's drink some Northern Runt Syrah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do more Bikram because I want to drink
3: this wine
0: all there's the actually, time. A, there's actually, right,
4: right. there's a studio up the street. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, this has been great, um, yeah. Ian. Thank you very much for coming on. Fantastic. Um, go ahead, John. You were gonna.
2: No, you did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's time to tie up. So we,
0: we, there's no Brian. So
3: we're gonna no, do some no last shout, shout out. Out, So I, there, I did have, uh, and she's she's a club member. She's bought wine from Bart before. Her name's Leslie, uh, and she visited the tasting room over the weekend. She's from North Carolina and she she dropped off two bottles oh, yes. of North Carolina wine. Oh, she um, did. I almost I almost was like going to be sadistic North and Carolina. N- pull out a North Carolina Cabernet from 2014 and a 16600 Cabernet from 2014 and pour them blind. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that next time. Um, That's but, th- thank you for
4: telling me what you're going to blind taste. Yeah. You.
3: Perfect. I'm just kidding.
4: <laughs> You'll have to remember all of this and listen back. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call North Carolina, and you're going to be like, "How did you know that? How did though? you know?" <laughs> um <laughs>
0: Todd, do
3: you have any... Um, so shout out to yelp. Leslie. We're going to have some North Carolina wine. I did. That's total, That was. I, I would do that when I was a kid. I'd go to a birthday party and I'd show up with like, here, I got you a puzzle. <laughs> <And> happy birthday. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. Blind tasting with Sam.
0: Todd, what do you guys got going on at Sonoma's Best? Any tastings coming up that... Yeah, I, I remember this, this uh, is going to be a... Well, this will be this Friday, right? Yeah. So yeah, anything... I started... the. Oh, I guess it'd be past
1: then. Right. So if you're listening to this now, you missed our third annual Girl Scout cookie tasting with uh, Girl Scout tier 103. What were you That's, pairing it with? Uh, the, uh, there's seven different wines with seven really? different cookies. Yeah, so it's uh, usually, Mostly sweeter styles? No, no. Yeah, I usually try to go. Twitter memes come I, to real life. Yeah, and geeky <laughs> as I can with it. Yeah. What, what
4: did you pair with the Samos- Samoa? Samosa? The Samosa? Uh,
3: Tempranillo.
1: Rioja. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. I should have been there. Yeah. <laughs> So,
1: and shout out to Brian Casey. He's always giving me a shout out. Love that guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I, I got an email from Vanessa Bucktel um, in Hawaii, and she's a oh, listener. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and and she wrote some very nice things about the podcast. I just want to share in that. Um, just for the as she says, just bef- just for the record, because I know it's helpful for you guys to have this data. Um, as a result of listening over the last six months, I have looked up a number of your guest winery websites and looked at their wines in local wine shops and restaurant wine lists. Purchased multiple bottles from um, local wine shops specifically to explore a varietal that you have discussed. Signed up for mailing lists from folks that we've had on and ordered wine from wineries. So um, thank you, Les, or thank Vanessa, Thank you, uh, she, uh, she, Vanessa They're for looking for
3: uh, the kosher rosé. They do Shabbat in a like poolside cabana shabbat dinner in honolulu and like rotating nights with these different families so that's the wine that i'm gonna hand yeah. deliver that's yeah. awesome.
4: are you going to this
3: <laughs> uh well uh Braden albrecht and i uh are making kosher grenache direct pressed grenache rose from this vineyard in, in soda canyon uh, up at mayakamas uh, right. so we're we're when you put enough modifiers in front of something, you can always be the first. So we're the first organically grown, uh, single
4: vineyard, direct pressed, kosher Grenache Rosé in the world. Kind of like, <laughs> uh, yeah. kind of like Bandol Rosé or Provence Rosé in a style. You're trying yeah, to make it, that salmon it, it, pink. Yeah, exactly. Great. Exactly.
3: Uh, and and you know they have a kosher wine program at Maya so we made uh, you know, five
4: barrels under that program. So there's nobody that's. Not a rabbi. That yeah, touches So it? every that? barrel,
3: every barrel is under double seal, and there's this rabbi winemaker who um, he works at the Napa Reserve, Marciano, Maya Kamis, and a couple other places that have their you know there's a Maya Kamis Cabernet that's produced under the kosher, under kosher rules, and wow. um,
4: so that means that after the fermentation's done, from, then they can't or from no no grains. no
3: from uh, the sorting table on. Wow. So there's, there, there's a, the sorting table has two drains on it. And if we were going to use the juice that drained in the sorting table, we couldn't touch it at all. Um, but we could touch it up to the edge of the second drain because we weren't using any of the drain juice. So
4: he's the only like rabbi winemaker in Napa.
3: There's there's a, a well there's Hagafin who that does like all mm-hmm. kosher wine. But so these guys are
4: making big bucks because they're in huge demand. Or uh,
3: yeah you know they're driving great you know ten year old Subarus. I don't I don't, know, I don't know I don't know I don't know how much money they're making. That's what I do. So- I have a ten year old Subaru. <laughs> Well, that's and how about us? <laughs> a- <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: best. I was just kidding. Hey, Bart, we how got a-, a shout out to Braden for um, yeah. skiing down the vineyard. Skiing uh, twice now. Tw- yeah. the second, they've got two snowstorms up there, and, and actually
3: making turns. No, made yeah. turns. Made turns yeah. at Mayakamas on his rock skis. That with is his incredible. incredible. Gotta yeah. love that. Sorry. Hey,
2: uh, we got a nice note from Marcia Um listening during another atmospheric river here in Sonoma, which beats what's happening weatherwise in the Midwest by a long shot. Wow, how wide ranging is this show? From naked wines to Lodi olive oil production, Grenache, Zinex, and Zap, the upcoming San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition and public tasting, and more. If you're in the kitchen sink, you've got it all. Keep going, guys. Cool. Nice, nice. Cool. Thank you, Marcia. Yeah. Kitchen sink. I like yeah. it. Well, we are pretty wide ranging. I mean, we tend to cover a lot of subjects. You mean stream of consciousness, no plan? It (laughs) is, but that—that's exactly what people want to hear. And you know, if it's Ian's not here to keep us on track, then we have to talk about something. So, you know, Ian, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, pleasure to be here. Really great guest. Your wines are spectacular. Thank you so much. I'm going to sign up for. uh, First of all, I'm going to sign up on Psalm Select. Second of all, I want into this. Some of this warehouse, song. okay. Now we're going to get into the, go into the warehouse. Well, so you
4: know okay. what? In a few months, maybe we do the podcast from Psalm Select, and we we go through some blind tastings. And I could maybe invite a uh, one or two other master sommeliers to uh, be our guests as well. Yeah, that do it. it awesome, good to me. Awesome.
0: So, so Ian, before you go, please tell us all the ways that people can get a hold of you. Um, you know I'd recommend not your phone number but um, you know you, any, can, any way if you, you want, want to contact around, us yeah.
4: if you want to contact us you can email info at somselect.com S-O-M-M-S-E-L-E-C-T, and uh, you can just write a letter it'll be forwarded to me and, and we will contact you back I'm at on Instagram at, at Ian cobble uh, Twitter I don't really to pay attention to i'm sorry for those of people who tweet at me lucky you (laughs) i just decided that i can't keep up with all methods of communication my email box is still full (laughs) so um other than that i think uh emailing info at psalmselect.com is the quickest way to get a hold of us if you wanted to submit samples and you have some special wine you'd like to share um we'd love to taste it
2: cool perfect well thank you again so much bart thank you so much sam also todd Jolly for joining us in cobble and Everybody, thank for, you so much for, for listening. Two it's it's for two, Todd. Two for
1: two, Todd. I just retire. Yeah, <laughs> right. done. Talk to <laughs> you guys
2: next week. See you.
1: Cheers.